You're listening to the Mother of All Solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work. With me, Laura Broderick. The thing is, we didn't really set up Mums for Lungs with the intention of it to be a, you know, big campaign and taking so much time. And It just started actually as a group of mothers and fathers on maternity leave who, you know, started to meet with our small children. Welcome to Mother of All Solutions. Um, today I am recording from home with a delightful guest also in her home, Jemima Hartshorn. Um, I've been in touch with Jemima through a neighbour friend of mine who recommended Jemima as a fantastic person to speak with in general, but also somebody who she thought would have some good stories and some interesting topics to share through the podcast. Um, as I said, we're recording at home. Um, so just for reference, it's Sunday the 10th of May. So obviously, as you've heard from previous episodes, we're in lockdown, everybody's in this slightly strange scenario of adjusting to new normal and, oh yes, we'll talk that through with Jemima and see how she's doing as well. Jemima Hartshorn then, the the founder of Mums for Lungs, a fantastic campaigning organisation and body. Um, Jemima also lives in South London, um, so another local mum to me, although we haven't met in person, so we're actually meeting over Skype for the second time. We had a, a chat a couple of weeks ago. So Jemima, over to you to explain more about yourself and introduce your role within Mums for Lungs a bit more and also your role as a mother and just what your life's about and then we'll talk in more detail okay well thank you Laura for having me I'm really excited um this is also basically the first time I've been doing a podcast like this so um I'm a bit nervous as well so bear with me um I'm Jemima I have two children my son is three and a half and my daughter is just uh, over a year old and um, what I do is is I campaign a lot as per my job but also my my uh, the thing I do with Mums for Lungs, which is a voluntary campaigning group, which I founded three years ago on my first maternity leave of my son. And I was living in Vixen at the time and got really worried about air pollution. And um, I wanted to do something about it, reading more about it. I just got really scared about the impact of, in London primarily, um, car exhausts, emissions, and the impact they have on health, everyone's health, but especially children's health. And yeah, so I started a group to campaign about it and to hopefully have an impact and adding to those voices that these things will be changed. Um, Tell us about your current situation at home then. How many of you are in the household? How are you balancing the campaign and other work and looking after the kids who are both obviously preschool age? Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, there's four of us at home, so it's me, uh, my partner John and our two children and I think we're all going slightly nuts to varying degrees on different days. Um, I think my son is really missing his nursery and his friends and being able to play a lot and all of that. I think my small daughter, who obviously can't express it yet, but she is missing to have a having breaks from her brother and... Um, <laughs> I'm missing being able to work without hearing children um, or stuff like that. And I think my partner, who um, is working more hours than me, is sort of missing his colleagues and 
also uh, being able to work without possibly a child walking in and demanding that he do X, Y, Z immediately now because also mummy is a little bit stupid. So, you know, that kind of stuff is going on. Yeah, it, it is, it's hard, right? Um, but let's jump back a weeny bit. Um, what's your what's your career path? So you've got to this point of, well, three years ago, founding Mums for Lungs, and we could say a little bit more about how that campaign operates. But what led up to that? What was your training and your career path um, as well as the sort of personal impetus that, sparked you to look into the kind of issues around um health and pollution within south london tell us more on that level okay um well so i'm a a lawyer by training and i worked as a prosecutor in germany um and i then came to london uh did a master's and then was working in ngos in london and brussels on human rights and then i went on maternity leave and pushing around the pram with this, you know, precious little baby. I just started to get worried after a while about air pollution and started reading more about it. Um, But the other thing is that I have always been involved in some kind of campaigning or charity organisations as a volunteer. I've always done that. Um, So I used to do stuff with The Hunger Project, which is a charity that does work in Southeast Asia and Africa with, you know, poor communities and um yeah rural areas so you know that kind of campaigning experience and campaigning spirit I think has always been with me so it was in a way a natural progression to look at this issue of air pollution and all the social justice issues around it and then sparked by my personal fear about my son to want to do something about it so how does some someone move from you know obviously you're a professional woman you've got your legal background you know you've worked in high profile roles in prosecution etc so you've got your professional hat on then you've got your kind of voluntary campaigning general interest hat on and then you add into that motherhood and then so that combination of those three things together is this right did that form your then because people do smaller bits of lobbying campaign work tweeting, using social media, getting involved in groups that are already out there. But you actually then had a very big conscious decision to set up a new campaigning body, something quite unique. It's quite a big step, right? So praise, congratulations to you for doing that. But I'm just sort of like curious as to know how you move into that space. How, how... It's a hard one to answer, I imagine, but have a go. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thank you. Um, the thing is, we didn't really set up Mums for Lungs with the intention of it to be a, you know, big campaign and taking so much time. And it just started actually as a group of mothers and fathers on maternity leave who, you know, started to meet with our small children. Our children were all the same age. We met Wednesday afternoons and I have to really remember vividly this one session where there was eight mums and eight children under a year in my tiny little garden with a paddling pool and ice creams and we all around. And, you know, we never thought we would become anything bigger or, you know, to an extent I thought it would sort of fizzle out when we all went back to work. But it didn't because we, we got traction. We It felt like we were having some success. We were going somewhere. And then um, my amazing co-collaborator uh, 
Jane got in touch and said, listen, I've heard about your group. You need a Twitter account. And I was like, oh, God, why do we need a Twitter account? And she says, well, I know a thing or two about social media and I care about air pollution. I'm local. Can I run your so can I run your Twitter? And I was like, sure, go ahead. So, you know, from it was a lot of it was coincidental. And I think air pollution has come up the radar and the sort of mainstream understanding and media in that time as well. So um, it all came together, you know, in a way that I never set it out to be, but I'm very glad about. Yeah, so so actually, there was something quite fluid in the setup of mums for lungs then it was very much rooted in mums who were sharing fears experiences um just being together and then actually you realized within that group there was something very much strong in your um concerns around air quality and air pollution and the sort of health of your your children potentially being affected um negatively through that so you all kind of just grew mums for lungs from that is is that the sort of yeah yes and yes that's how it was and other people have joined us so you know I think um the people who are the most involved I think none of them were actually there at that for one of those first two sessions with the paddling pool um but you know we've sort of gone from there and people join and uh, and leave or dip in and dip out because you know all of us are parents so or most of us at least are parents so you know life takes over children take over second and third kids are born um and you know we but we keeping going and we're you know it's really interesting as a topic I really care about it I want the air to be better for my children and every other child in London and every other person in London because you don't have to be a child to suffer from air pollution Oh no, it's 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 crazy, right? So I've been in London for, oh my goodness, since 2006 or quite a while. And I still love living in London. There's loads of like fantastic benefits, like work, culture. I've got a great community, luckily, where I am. Lots of good things. But I do think, so my six-year-old's got asthma and especially starting to do the school run with her a couple of years back when you're crossing Brixton Road every day and you're kind of conscious of what these little lungs are taking in um so yeah it is something i mean obviously it's an issue across the uk and across the world but in london it does feel very stark right is do you think you would have if you were still living in germany or living somewhere else mums for lungs would have began in the same way or do you think it's very much rooted in your life in south london and what you and those mums were together talking about and experiencing together so air pollution across the UK and many parts of Europe, um, including Germany, is very bad. And I think there is a call for groups fighting for clean air in many areas. But yeah, I think in London it is particularly bad. And with Kings being around and doing so much information on monitoring and research, we are in a way in a lucky position to have a lot of access to data and what actually is going on in London and how bad the air pollution is. So, yeah, I think it's a combination of both. London definitely needs a lot of campaigns and even more so, obviously, lots of action to tackle and address the air pollution in the shortest time frame possible. But so do other places, even mm. if not to the same extent. Mm. So tell me about then your your kind of key 
asks or your key actions like do you have as an organization like particular projects that you are implementing on and even if you do I imagine there's been a slight shift to or maybe there hasn't maybe I'm assuming things a slight shift to how you work and campaign from sort of pre-pandemic to now or yeah just tell me a little bit more about the work so we have general demands that are sort of overarching and they there are very strong um, demands always that we need very strong actions we need government to take there's no doubt about it obviously the sale of new combustion engines must be phased out by 2030 there's no doubt about that we obviously need a huge target an ambitious target in uh, in the new forthcoming environmental bill that says we will achieve WHO limits by 2030 at the latest and there needs to be much more money invested in direct measures against air pollution as well as active travel, things like that. You know, currently we're looking at rates where the investment in car infrastructure is more than 10 times what the infrastructure funds are made available for air pollution uh, measures or um, you know cycling infrastructure and things like that but the one campaign that we've really focused on over the past two years now almost is um, school streets and we're really excited about it and actually um, it has now been mentioned yesterday um, in government guidance to local authorities that they should think about much more about school streets and implementing them so a school street is when you close a road by a school so that means in corona terms it means in front of the school there's no cars um, and parents and carers and children can use more space and can stand on the road as well so that's important from a social distancing perspective once schools return to whatever degree that may be and um, from an air pollution perspective and that's why we've been complaining about it for such a long time is that you reduce the exposure to air pollution that children get at the school gate at the start and at the end of the day. And at that time, you have lots of kids standing there. And you just take that air pollution, which is during rush hour, and there's so much more air pollution than during other times of the day, away from the school gate where all the children who are the most vulnerable stand. Um, and there's obviously safety issues and community issues why school streets are really good as well. So that's what we're doing. So, so that's your your main focus, is it at the minute? So you've got a kind of your your general sort of lobbying and campaign voice that links in, I imagine, with lots of other campaign voices around this agenda. But then specifically, especially with the the title "Mums for Lungs," that kind of parenting push, that bit around school streets. Does that stand? Is that like your you're almost like your unique campaign at the minute is that sort of compared to others or are other green based organizations also linked into that and also campaigning for the the school streets yeah well i well there are some other groups also campaigning for school streets and that is great the more people are campaigning for it the better what we sort of focus on is our outreach to parents, because as you say, Mums for Lungs, it, you know, it lends itself to campaigning with other parents. And it is often the case that school streets start from parents 
requesting it, parents talking about it literally at the school gate, taking it to the head teacher, head teacher having a think, taking it to the council, mm. council doing a think, investing the money, putting it in. Mm. And that is what we do what we've sort of been focusing on and we have a big Facebook community with about 900 parents in it who are all keen on school streets and where they can exchange experiences. We have a flyer on it, we have information on it and where parents are willing to give us their contact details we can put them in touch with other parents from the same school because it's always easier to campaign if there is someone else even if you haven't met them who also cares about the same issues. So that is what we do on the school street stuff. And um, you were also asking about campaigning in a pandemic. And, um, you know, it's it's very, very difficult. And rightly so, on a very, very many levels. So all of us who do most of the campaigns work are parents. So we are struggling with work life, lack of childcare time, evenings, anxieties, all stresses. Um, then it is also, you know, it is terrifying what is happening uh, with COVID-19 and this whole, you know, illness, this, this virus out there. So it also becomes a bit weird to then be banging on about other issues. We want to be very sensitive to about that. And the other thing is that because traffic is the main aspect for the main contributor to air pollution in London, the air pollution has actually dropped significantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's been reports of that in the mainstream media as well. And yeah, yeah. So, you know, we have to be thinking about what can we do to make sure this stays the case? What can we do to keep those positive changes we've been seeing of families cycling, feeling comfortable for the first time cycling on London's roads, hoping that they can cycle to school instead of driving? What can we keep up in a positive way, um, you know, to ensure that we have cleaner air because air pollution is so bad and has such devastating and irreversible health impacts. But when we think of a world or a London where lots of people will have um, lungs damaged by COVID, we definitely have to have air pollution reduced even more so. So that's sort of what we are thinking about and working on and seeing who is up for still contacting their local councils what can we do we're doing a tweet chat on school street soon we're going to do a webinar on air pollution so whoever wants to learn about air pollution please you know always get in touch with us yeah i it's really interesting how you've explained that sort of tricky navigation at the moment the fact that you know within this current context there's lots of you know life or death serious stuff out there that's immediate and needs the priority but at the same time when we do you know get out of lockdown and things transition or things begin to get back to whatever normal it is in the future you know keeping some of your campaign going so that people it hasn't dipped out of people's understanding and mindset and also then lifting up the gear some of the positives that have seen so I can imagine it's really tricky um but I'm sure you're doing that fantastically like in the fact that you've you know come from a, a really sort of rooted legal background and have done lobbying and and then you've got the passion of being a mum and then you've got the support network of your other mums that you work with I think it's it's a fantastic model and I love the fact that it like grew from this like chat in the paddling pool with like the the kids around you eating ice creams and it it sort of just 
kind of goes to show that you don't necessarily need to have started off as an expert in something or you don't have to have got a massive pot of funding behind you to set up a whole new big complex organization you can sort of grow it um yeah, so no, it's, it's, it's really lovely to hear more about it because as I say, I knew the name, I knew Mums for Lungs and then it was my neighbour and friend who'd said, Jemima, you should t- find out more from Jemima. So I'm really glad we're having this chat. Thank you. Well, so it's, it's your neighbour, Nikki, who is coordinating the whole Facebook group and putting mm. all the parents in touch and yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, it's just really um, great work. Yeah. And, and have you embraced the social media a bit a bit more because I've had to like grapple with this for the podcast as well I know it's not a campaign but similar thing like getting into something new right it's and then you think how many forums and platforms can you use like so I have a Facebook account but I don't really use it so I'm probably missing out on lots of really good content or groups or links because I'm not on Facebook actively yeah you know I've started to get more into Twitter but then you think well not everybody has a Twitter account and then you go oh but you you would end up having to have an account with every single social media it just seems seems mind-blowing to try and connect with everybody and then especially now that's how we're having to connect through these virtual platforms rather than the chat at the school gates or the coffee run if you're on maternity leave or whatever it is so it is interesting just how we develop those conversations and maintain them I'm not I'm not I don't not really sure where I'm going with this line of chat Jemima to be honest you've just got me thinking about it <laughs> you know, I'm really lucky basically because Jane does all the mums for long social media and she does it so well we're on Facebook we're on Twitter we thought about Instagram for a while but Instagram is so picture focused and there's only like so often you can see a picture of a like car with a big exhaust without getting frustrated and equally I mean the positive stuff is like children playing on a school street or something like that but even that is limited you know so we've sort of decided that for now um Instagram is is not a focus but you know that might change if you were talking about big pots of money earlier if um anyone offers us a big pot of money uh we might do Instagram Yes, you might. <laughs> so so you've got Jane, who obviously is supporting you on the social media. You mentioned Nikki's working on social media stuff in school streets as well. Um, talk a little bit about that as a team then, that dynamic, because especially at the minute, there's lots of content out there about leadership in general and then narratives around women leaders and how are sort of women leaders, you know, have got a, not necessarily a different skill set, but maybe some different approaches to collaboration or a different kind of um, empathy level that's useful in times of crisis but thinking about you as a team and you as an even if you don't see yourself as a leader I don't know maybe you do like an informality of being a leader like tell me a bit about how you've mapped out skill sets and thought about the dynamic of the team and how you can be the best campaigning body well I don't know if we're the best campaigning body Um, But, you know, we try to be as impactful as we can because we really care about the issue. But I think what really works for the Mums for Lungs team and, you know, there's a wider team, there's free groups of Mums for Lungs by now. So free branches in different parts of London um, and we do monthly meetings, um, usually 
with a glass of wine and crisps and, you know. Um, I think what really works for us is sort of to have the personal link as well. Mm. And to also, because most of us are in a similar situation with small children, we also understand that and, you know, understand if someone can't do something or if something is delayed or whatever, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, this stuff comes first and I think a lot of us have actually grown to become like quite good friends and um things like that so I think all of that helps as well so yeah I think that is really important to me and I think you know in all this campaigning where the very vast majority of it is unpaid and voluntary it has to be fun and Mm. things are fun if you're doing it with people you like and respect Mm. and it usually helps to know them on a different level as well Mm um and things like that and where you sort of feel that you can also have a chat about other stuff and it's you know it's not our our monthly meetings have never been a super tight agenda I always draw one up and come in and you know and then we talk about other stuff as well and for the first six months of Cordelia's life she came to the meetings and stuff like that you know it's um it's just sort of the way it has to work um I think when people like us come together and want to campaign together and then you know obviously with Jane I speak lots with her um, and then there's a very you know few other people who are very much involved especially like Celeste and Nikki and then there's sort of wider group of people who really really help us a lot and have good ideas and input and I think you know we try to be open to everyone's suggestions at any any point and reconsider you know that kind of stuff no, that's... I'm sorry I haven't perhaps I should be thinking more about leadership no 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 it's only be... I suppose it's only because I'm thinking about it a lot at the minute I wanted to ask you because I suppose there is a lot out there and seeing at the minute because of being in crisis mode and reflecting on leaders I've known in the past and then leaders I've got now I'm just thinking I suppose I'm just mulling it over so I didn't didn't brief you or prepare you for leadership chat but um, I just thought I'd put it out there (laughs) I think the personal the personal stuff matters and in this voluntary space I've always thought you have to make sure that people know why they are involved and you want to make sure that people have tasks that they enjoy so that that works and plays to people's strengths so yeah that's the kind of thing I think that matters and Mm. we're doing our first zoom uh, mums for lungs meeting and we thought oh this is a great opportunity let's you know advertise it on on twitter and everyone anyone can join us and people who've never and then Jen and I were like, well, but actually we want to have a personal chat as well. So how about we have our first one just with the usual team just advertised on WhatsApp in our WhatsApp group. And hopefully lots of us can join. But, you know, it'll be whatever, 10, 15 people tops. And that also gives us a space to talk about, you know, how we're all doing. And perhaps someone has a you know good idea what I can do with my three-year-old next Friday and I would very much appreciate to hear that even if it has nothing to do with mom's lungs no I think I think you're right I think that balance of any team meeting of obviously you need there's a reason you're there together you know either your paid employment or your campaign or whatever it is but you also need to make it enjoyable and personable and so keeping sight of that's really important and I think that applies in many different contexts and you know obviously we were chatting a little bit before we started recording and you know I was 
a little bit stressed with the technology and then sometimes your head goes to a different space and you go actually what's important it's not the technology it's like how that other person is or (laughs) what's going on in their lives so actually you know there's lots of things around how we need to sort of sense check what we're doing especially at the minute when everything's very pressured it's it's useful to hear how you're planning your zoom chats with your immediate group and then thinking about the webinars and the training you might do with others and how you bring them into it and I really liked what you said about um like working with people that you like and respect because I think that's really important that you can relate to them but you also have respect for what they do and the skills and the tasks and as you say giving people a role in a task that they enjoy and I think that's that's really useful to know so it's it's fantastic what you've led us through with your story to date about Mums for Lungs. What about the future? Um, it's a hard thing to look at at the minute, but do you have a, a sort of sense of where you want to be in, say, three years' time or beyond? T- you you said, mentioned some targets about pollution reductions, but you as a, a body, tell us a little bit more about that vision. Well, look, my vision is that I would love to have no reason to campaign with mums for lungs anymore. And I think we all feel the same. If government steps up and local authorities and TFL and the mayor, everyone really steps up and needs what actually should be done. I mean, the UK has been illegally polluted for a decade. I mean, that is insane if you think about that. Um, Then... I would love to stop thinking about other issues. I said earlier, I think I'm, I'm a campaigner at heart. So there's lots of other stuff I also feel that needs actually more campaigning, even more campaigning. And there's other stuff I would like to get involved in because I see many other problems across the UK and across, across the world as well. And um, yeah, but for now it's the air pollution. So my hope is that we will really see a reduction of air pollution in the very short term because it is needed. Mm. We cannot have more children growing up with stunted lungs, literally, um, because of air pollution. No, that's great. No, I mean, I think you're right. The vision should be that you shouldn't be needed. So I think that's that's, that's very valid and fair to say. And as you say, influencing TfL and the mayor and seeing where that leads and local authorities and, yeah, and you mentioned earlier on there's not just the the like the mums for lungs group in south london but there's other groups east london and where was the third sorry jemima uh, in richmond richmond east okay. Jean, yeah okay and then your your home life and your other work you do some freelance work as well is that correct Have yes I... I do some other freelance work also as a clean air campaigner at the moment um, I was sort of put in the process of hoping to establish myself as a freelancer just when my maternity leave sort of came to an end and that sort of seems to have coincided with lockdown. So it's all a bit unclear where all this is going to go. So I find it very difficult and confusing to talk about career plans and stuff like that at the moment. I'm just really hoping that come what may economically we still all understand or you know the funders still understand that air pollution and the climate crisis still really need to stay up on the agenda and will unfortunately require a lot of campaigning in the you know foreseeable future because these are other crises that are really affecting our lives now and in the future so i hope that will all keep going let's all hope for that (laughs) Yeah, and it is it is 
hard to think about career paths and plans but um the fact that you have got you carved out a sort of space of doing freelance work after your first maternity leave and balancing your time at home with Tristan initially while setting up Mums for Lungs and then obviously having second period of maternity leave and thinking about how you might navigate it. now Cordelia is a bit older and it may be a weeny bit stalled but I'm sure from what you said about things that you've done before and what you are doing now it will come together in some way shape or form that's right for you and right for your family so it's I'm oh, sure thanks Laura. thanks Laura. <laughs> I always need to remind myself of that yeah yeah it will it will <laughs> <laughs> so Jemima it's fantastic to know more about you fantastic to know more about Mums for Lungs and I really hope that 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 need for Mums for Lungs reduces and you can get to campaign on other things as well so just to wrap up and think about your um point to to getting to where you are um I wondered if you'd share some thoughts on people that you've referenced and have inspired you and it could be very like personal people that you've known immediately or people that you've looked up to and read about and sort of been inspired by from a distance just anybody that you want to to share with us because I always think it's really interesting to hear what what women say on this one <laughs> so I think actually my main inspiration has almost been my grandmother and and my mother because they are women who see a problem and then also just get involved trying to solve it so it's, you know, I remember very strongly how my mum sort of got involved in a campaign to save a primary school in, in Hamburg, where I'm from. And um, she wasn't sleeping a lot and she was doing this on coffee and, you know, and it was it was somehow inspiring and exciting. And to see that and I somehow thought, yeah, I see that, you know, you see a problem and you figure out how to do it and how are you, who are your allies and what do you do around it? And my grandmother has been campaigning for environmental uh, issues and international development issues. So, you know, and peace issues, I think, for as long as I can remember, you know, being German, I sort of remember handing out flyers. Um, I think, is it 7th of April, which is the, which is the anniversary of the Chernobyl catastrophe? Um Anyway, around then, I sort of remember handing out flyers to people about nuclear power and, you know, being against it, being German and all those sort of energy issues when I was about seven with my grandmother. So, you know, I sort of come from a campaigning household. Yeah, Mm. I come from that. So, you know, that's always been inspirational. No, that's that's fantastic. And it's it's lovely how lots of people have referenced like their own mums on this question because it just show, goes to show how important it is to sort of have that immediate role model as well and and then the fact that you've referenced your grandma I mean my my grandmother was an inspiration to me on a different level but like I've been thinking about her a lot recently and like my auntie was sending me things about my granddad linked to v-day and different things and you do learn a lot from that generation before as well and um so no it's fantastic that you shared a bit about how proactive and campaign focused your your mother and grandmother both were so that's amazing Um, and then we also um would like to invite you to sort of rate a little bit about your balance um so loosely around work-life balance obviously it's a very strange scenario that we're all in at the minute so it's it's maybe um a rating that you give but you maybe want to explain a little bit more on so thinking about a rating of one to five like five being that you've got everything 
sort of sussed with your your family life and your campaign life and your freelancing and then one being that it's a slightly um work in progress where would you put yourself Jemima oof one and a half to two um it's really a work in progress and I think I'm only just realizing that this is you know here for the long haul it sort of felt like Mm. a sort of weird state somewhere between anxiety and holiday but now I'm like actually Jemima you need to put something in state in place that's going to work long term um and I think one of the problems for me personally is that I like faff away so much time on the phone so I'm like you know and I should I should be like doing something that will make me actually feel a bit better or sit down on my computer and you know do my work which would almost also make me feel better, but just sort of checking Twitter and retweeting something on my phone, that it can take up like so much time and I don't feel any better for it. And then afterwards I'm like, well, now I need to relax. I'm like, oh, but now I have to look after the children again. So, you know, so those, I think those it's- pesky kids, you know. Exactly. So um, it's, it's a work in progress that I need to figure out, but also, um, yeah. That's just the way it is. I think it's a good phrase, work in progress. But is it a work in progress you're feeling pretty happy in? Like, because some people like that state. And how did you describe the state? A state between anxiety and holiday? (laughs) Or is is it like that type of work in progress state that you find quite frustrating? I can't really answer that. It changes on an about 15 minutely basis. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. I think um, I think that's very true. So I think that's fine to say that it's a, a movable feast. So that's that's perfectly good and acceptable. And as I said before, I'm, I'm sure whatever you do, it'll it'll work out in the way that you want it to work out. And um, we just got to um, get through this next immediate phase and then adjust again and then power into the next phase right yeah yeah Yeah, exactly yeah okay then Jemima it's been lovely speaking with you um I've really enjoyed as I said learning more about mums for lungs and I'm now going to activate my Facebook so that I can get into your mums for lungs Facebook group and see what's going on because if there's some nice webinars or things that you're advertising through that um I'm sure there's um well it'd be good for me to come along um or sign up whatever you say with a webinar um see you in a virtual space there but also to see if there's any of the other parents either through the podcast um or through my local networks of the school my daughter's in and and just see if there's any further links there and just for our listeners Jemima if people want to follow Mums for Lungs how would they do that tell us about your your handles Okay, so we're either um, at Mums for Lungs on Twitter, we're Mums for Lungs on uh, Facebook as well, and we also have a website which is mumsforlungs.org where you can see our sign up for our newsletter. Well, that's fantastic to know, and thank you so much for taking the time out and being very patient with me. I always appreciate how welcoming and willing my uh, guests are for the podcast, so I do do appreciate it, and um, lots of love to your kids to Tristan and Cordelia and um, get get the paddling pool out keep the ice creams going and I'm sure there'll be lots of good conversations to come from your family household so thank you Jemima thank you you've been listening to the mother of all solutions uh, remote recording at home with Laura Broderick and our guest Jemima Hartshorn on Sunday the 10th of May thank you for listening
You've been listening to The Mother of All Solutions. The Mother of All Solutions is produced and hosted by Laura Broderick and edited by me, Owen Wainhouse. Music for this episode is Night and Day by D. Yan Key, licensed under Creative Commons via the Free Music Archive.